Amen. I want you to go with me this morning for Sunday school to the book of Exodus, please. And uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16 is the story when, uh, or the account, when um, uh, that the Lord gave them manna. And the Bible says in, in Exodus 16 verse 1, the Bible says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of Israel, uh, of children of Israel, came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises this morning, to hear from your word already. Just pray that you would uh, bless the teaching and the preaching of your word this morning. Father, be with those who are apart from us. You know every need, those who are traveling, those who are sick. And Father, we just pray that you'd bring them back again safe. Father, we do pray for the peace of Israel. Father, we do pray for your soon coming. And Father, we just ask now that you would meet with us, strengthen our faith. We ask this all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You guys ever think about manna? I, I think about it. I, I, uh, uh, my wife and I were talking the other day about things that we remember, and we were talking about something, and she says, yeah, that was six years ago. And I'm like, how in the world do you remember that? And she goes, how do you remember what you remember? Implied in that was, I can remember every good meal I ever ate. And so... <laughs> I, uh, I just, you know, some things you can remember. And uh, so, to be honest with you, I think about food. I like food. And uh, uh, no shock, anyhow. Um, I, I would love to have tasted manna. I don't know if you know this, but uh, they found here, I don't know if it was recently, but they have, if you will, a 3,000-year-old jar of honey. And the honey in the jar is still edible. Okay, and the reason for that is, is, is honey never decays, it never rots, okay? It'll, it'll actually stay, as long as you keep it, you know, clean, it'll stay edible. And, um, well, the Bible tells us in this chapter what manna tasted like. And the Bible talks about it. It looked like a hoarfrost, which what that means is, you guys, we all saw it was frost this morning. <laughs> it was snow, but uh, it looked like frost, didn't it? And if you will, that's what manna looked like. It looked like a hoar frost. Hoar means gray or, or, or whitish gray, if you will. And, um, and so uh, they would go out, and the Bible says the dew would come on uh, the, the land, and then when it dried up, there would be left behind this manna. Okay? And they would go out, and they would pick the manna. And the Bible says it, tasted, it, looked, it looked like a coriander seed. I don't know what that is, but it looked like a seed. And, uh, and then it also had the taste of honey when you made a wafer out of it, okay? And so it tasted like honey. And so we'll see this here in a second. But I think that if the Lord preserved it somewhere, it would be possible, actually, to 
find manna and eat manna. I'll, I'll explain that why here in a second. But uh, anyhow, my whole point is this, is, is to me it's one of the most fascinating things in the Bible, manna, okay? Uh, if you don't study Greek mythology, this might miss you here, um, but uh, you guys ever heard of the food of the gods? You ever heard of the food of the gods? And the food of the gods was uh, this what they ate on Mount Olympus, and they ate ambrosia and they drank nectar, both of which were derivatives of honey. Uh, the name Melissa, a woman's name Melissa, means honeybee, okay? And, and if you will, they had a, a god, quote, small, okay? Named Melissa, who was a honeybee, and she gave the food for the gods. And if, it, it's just interesting to me that it tasted like honey, okay? Or it was a derivative of honey, because manna, if you will, tasted like honey. And so the thing about it is, is the Bible says that, that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Have you ever noticed that Satan has a counterfeit for everything that's in the Bible. Everything in the Bible has a counterfeit, or even when we talk about the gods, okay? Well, there's no gods, we know that. There's only one God, and yet he gives us all these counterfeits to take and to say it's an acceptable substitute. Well, it's not an acceptable substitute. And, and by the way, I, I said I was going to get there. I'm already there. Go to, go to Hebrews. I want to show you this. Hebrews chapter 9. The Bible says it tastes like honey. Honey doesn't rot or decay. And um, they were supposed to keep a, a sample of it, okay? Anybody remember where they kept the sample of it? Yeah, in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you will, I was trying to think about this the other day. It, the Ark of the Covenant contained three things. It contained the tables of the law, okay, the two tables of the law. It contained Aaron's rod that budded and a golden jar of manna, okay, a golden jar of manna. And if you will, I was just thinking about this, it just shows you that God can feed you, God can lead you, that's the purpose of the, the, the almond bud, and then God can uh, command you, if you will, by giving you the Ten Commandments, if you will. And, and so, but the Bible says right there in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4, the Bible says that that container was in a golden jar, okay? And so the golden jar, uh, anybody know anything about gold? <laughs> okay. Gold is a preservative, too. Things don't rot in gold, okay? Uh, gold and silver, uh, copper, those three are, if you look at a periodic table, they're all three in a row, and uh, they all have the similar prop property. Anybody know why you use copper for water pipes? Pardon me? It rust. Well, it doesn't rust, yeah. The other thing is it, it actually, it, uh, anybody ever taken silver water? Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised more people haven't taken silver water. What do you take silver water for is if you have a bacteria. It kills bacteria. So does, uh, so does copper, and I'm assuming copper, uh, gold probably does too since it's in the same family, has the same characteristics. And so my whole point is this, is that uh, if it were possible for us to find that golden urn of manna today, you'd be able to taste manna today, you know. And so anyhow, I get excited about things like that. Why was manna necessary? Let's go back to our text. In verses 1 through 3, it was due to the location of their journey. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. The Bible says they were between, if you will, Elam and the wilderness of sin. We looked at this last week. Elam was an oasis, okay? An oasis is a place where there's water in the desert. And um, um, uh, if you will, the Bible says that they were going to be traveling in the wilderness between Sinai, the mountain of God, okay? It's also known as Hebron, not Hebron, yeah, Hebron, and Sinai. 
And, uh, and so between the oasis and between the mountain of God is just wilderness. It's just desert. Um, I don't know if you've ever studied this, but all the deserts of the world are in a strip, okay? And you got the Sahara Desert in Africa. And then this desert is what's called the Arabian Desert, okay? This is the Arabian Desert. And then I believe around China, it's called the Gobi Desert. But if you look on a map, you can, you can see a line of desert that just goes through there. And uh, any, I've always been fascinated with that because uh, just how did, you know, all the deserts come about. And anyhow, but this is a desert. You guys know what a desert looks like? What's the difference between desert and a dessert? <laughs> One S. There you go. <laughs> but it's a world of difference, <laughs> okay? Meaning you can eat dessert, but you can't eat a desert, all right? And so if you will... Um, uh, that's where it was. Today it's known as the Arabian Desert. They were just given refuge at Elam. They just had water, okay? By the way, they've just been running for their lives on that Passover meal that they ate on their way out of Egypt, okay? And so they've had food and they've had water, but now both are running out. They're getting ready to wander around in the sand for 40 years. And, uh, and so it became necessary. If God's going to feed all these people, he has to give them food, Amen. Uh, by the way, a stupid prayer. Would to God that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Stupid prayer. Okay? Uh, be careful about complaining against God. They had just come from the land of Goshen. I don't know if you know anything about the land of Goshen, but the land of Goshen is in the Sahara Desert. The only thing is, is the Nile floods and it waters it and it becomes some of those lush, if not the most fertile uh, farmland in the world is in the land of Goshen. And so they have just come from this place where, man, they could eat to, to the full. And the Bible tells us, it describes it. Uh, the Bible says that they, uh, look at Numbers 11. It says it here, but it, it says it also in Numbers chapter 11. Look at verse 5. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. And this is what they were used to. The Bible says, but we, we remember the fish. And he said, man, we used to eat fish. By the way, Nile River, they had Mediterranean Sea. They had seafood and river food, okay, if you will. They had fresh fish and they had saltwater fish. Uh, the Bible says, uh, remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, meaning we were slaves but we could have all the fish we wanted, all right? By the way, think about the motivation for complaining. Well, at least when we were in Egypt, we could eat. Yeah, you were also being slaves and having your children put to death and come on. <laughs> Uh, take this the right way, but man can be pretty uh, stupid sometimes when we think about what we complain about. Amen. The Bible says uh, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, they're saying, look, we had, we had every vegetable, we, have, we had every spice, it was so wonderful, the food was so good, and uh, boy, we just wish we were back in Egypt eating the food again. I mean, it's a pretty stupid prayer, okay, if you will, but that's what they were used to. And so, if you will, the, their location made it necessary for God to give them a new kind of food, okay? Something that could sustain them in the wilderness. And the other thing, it was designed to teach them to live by faith. Now, help me. How many of you all know this one here? Hebrews 11. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, God is saying this. He says, you've got to have faith to follow me. Okay, why? Because every once in a while, I'm going to run you between a rock and a hard place and see what you do. Every once in a while, I'm going to let you run out of food to see what you do. Okay, are you going to trust me or are you going to complain? All right, 
Are you going to follow me and do what I say, or are you going to be dissatisfied and want to go back to the old ways? Okay? And I will promise you that that was a temptation then. It's a temptation now. And so God gave them manna, uh, if you will, uh, to teach them to live by faith. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather, say the next part, a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Okay? I'll give you another illustration of this. How are they to farm their fields? How, how are they to harvest their fields? Do you remember? How are they to harvest their fields? You guys? You, you've been harvesting. Today, I, you say you had 1980s technology. I doubt that they, they had the GPS on it then. But today, you literally can put a GPS and not miss a branch of corn. I mean, it'll lay that thing and, and just, I mean, it'll get every little bit of it. How did God tell them to harvest? Yeah, just, just do the middle. Just like that. And, and any, uh, listen, I was in business school, and I, I will tell you this. They, they used to teach us about how to price something. They said, here's how you price something. They said, you ask as much as you can get for it. <laughs> the price has nothing to do with the value. The price has nothing to do with your cost. The price has with how much you can get for it. And I'll prove that to you next time you buy one of those pans that are going to not stick anything to it forever. You spend $50 on it, two weeks later, stuff's sticking on it. You guys understand? Uh, by the way, it doesn't cost them anything to make those pans. And when they sell them to you and give you three easy payments, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to be clever here how sad it is that people have to buy a, a, a frying pan on three easy payments. That's just because they're wanting to get every last penny that they can get out of it. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just harvest the middle. Trust me. I'll feed you. I'll feed your family. I'll build your house. I'll let you buy a car. He knew about cars back then. Amen? And, and, and he says, you leave the corners for the poor. Why? Because you're going to have poor. The Bible says you'll have poor until I come again. Okay? He says, but here's what we need to do. We need to let them have the dignity of work. And so what we're going to do is they're not going to be stealing. You're going to say, that's for you, okay? And you trust me. You can live on the middle part and take and give that to them. They'll have dignity. They'll have food. You'll have your riches. Just trust me. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take and I want you to plant your crops six years, and then I want you to take the seventh year off. Not just you, I want your workers to take the year off. I want your animals to take the year off. I want them all to take the year off. Why? And he had his reasons why, but one of which was, you can trust me. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start the uh, lesson on how you can trust me by every day there's going to be man in that field. Well, except for one. Amen. And he says, all you got to do is get up and pick as much as you need for the day. Don't pick two days' worth. And when I tell you how much he allowed them to take, you're going to say, well, he was plenty generous, and he was. He was plenty generous, okay? But he's saying this, don't take more than a day's worth. Why? Because trust me, there's going to be some more there tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. You see, 
even today as Christians, how are we supposed to pray? Lord, teach us to pray, right? Give us this day our... Even today, we're supposed to be praying for daily bread. God, give me a million dollars for retirement. Listen, if the Lord does and the Lord can, praise the Lord. But please take this the right way. Don't hoard, 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 hoard until you get it. Trust the Lord every day. Trust him for your daily bread. And I'll be honest with you, that's a little bit foreign to us because, honestly, the bounty of our life. Okay? I was watching the news a little bit this morning, but people are beginning to say, look, money's getting tight. And they're starting to complain. Now, listen, they're complaining that they don't have money for extras. Well, folks, it's not really a problem until you don't have money for daily food. You all understand? But uh, if you will, he says, you need to trust me for your daily bread. And I want you to collect it for six days, but on the seventh day, no collecting. Why? Because on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much. Trust me. Amen? Now, please take this the right way. But God has been saying that from the very beginning. Eat it all! Don't eat from that tree. Was there anything wrong with the tree? There wasn't one thing wrong. As a matter of fact, when the temptation finally came, Eve said, hey, it looked good for food, and I ate it, and it was. There's nothing wrong with that tree. Amen? There was one thing wrong with the tree. God said, don't eat from it. Trust me. Trust me. Do you realize that from the beginning, God has been trying to say, trust me. Amen? Anybody struggle with that sometimes like me? I think we all do. And so it would be very easy to take and to criticize the children of Israel, but we need to realize this also, that God used the children of Israel to teach us to trust him. <laughs> Amen? Uh, they're our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Why? Meaning what? Trust him. Trust him. Okay? If you will, there was no need to murmur. Bible said they're murmuring. What did you bring us out here to starve us to death? Help, help me for a second here. How many of y'all think that was a stupid question? Honestly. Did you bring us out here to starve us to death? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I did all that to let you die here. Any of y'all have pride in your work? Do you? You know, you know what's the worst thing is for somebody you've got a job you're proud of and, you, and the first thing somebody says, you missed a spot. You guys know what I'm talking about? By the way, how many of you all have the gift of finding that spot? <laughs> you didn't have to raise your hand. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. How many of y'all think a holy, perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God wants to ever have one person go, you missed a spot? You got them out of Egypt, you crossed them through the Red Sea, you gave them water when they got to the other side, and now you can't feed them? 
Y'all understand my point? How many of y'all, God has made similar promises to you? The Bible says that he will, he will give us all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Meaning this, I will supply all your, he didn't say wants or greeds, but he said, I'll, I'll give you all your needs. Water, food, what's the other one? Raiment, right? Therewith be content. If you've got clothes and if you've got food and you've got a place to, to lay your head at night, we should be thankful for that. Amen. Not murmuring, not complaining. Well, I wish I had more. I wish I had better. I wish I had it faster. God knows what you have need of before you ask. We're going to look at that here in a second. Amen. Okay. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, okay, about when he's talking about daily bread. Um, I'd have you turn there, but um, um, we got time. Go ahead. Go to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 8. When it comes to praying or complaining, I'm going to say that again, because those are really our two ways of approaching God praying or complaining. Y'all with me? Look what it says in verse 8. He already knows what you need before you ask. How many of y'all know that? Why does God make us pray then? I use this illustration all the time, but it's, it's apt here. Think about it again. When God came out and he said, Adam, where are you? Was he looking for Adam? What was he trying to get Adam to do? Do you know where you are? God knows. Well, God, can't you see I'm suffering? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have I got your attention yet? Amen? Okay. I already know what you need before you ask. I already know. So number one, complaining is fancy word here. Well, when you use, it's extra. <laughs> Amen? We don't need to complain. Why? God already knows. What do we need to do? We need to ask. Why? So we know where it comes from. Amen? So that we can receive all things by faith. God, I, I really need this. Well, I, I have something prepared for you. And sometimes the answer is wait, or no, you don't need that. I promise to give you your needs. You don't need that. You guys ever told your children that? Mom, those fresh-baked cookies you made for Grandpa look awful good. I'm real big into people cooking for their Grandpa. <laughs> you know, you don't need a cookie right now. But they're right there, I know. But you don't need them. By the way, you remember being that child? What's your very first thought after that? Huh? Can't wait to be an adult. Can't wait to be an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. How, how many of y'all would like to talk to your old self? <laughs> Enjoy that childhood. 
Any of y'all maybe think about taking one when mom's not looking? I'm sorry, I forgot who I'm talking to. Anybody ever, at least the thought crossed your mind? Any of it ever cross our mind when we think we need something so we go out of our way to get it, knowing the whole time we're outside the will of God? Because if God wanted me to have it, he would have provided it or he would have given me a better burden for it. Amen. Okay. He already knows our need. And then he tells us to ask for things daily. Look what the Bible says again in verse 11. The Bible says, asking for our daily bread. Okay. We don't need to murmur. We just need to exercise the faith to ask. Murmuring is what you do when you do not live by faith. Okay. Murmuring is what you do when you do not live by faith. Because you're saying, oh, I wish I had. Remember, that's, I taught you all a Hebrew word last week, murmur. Murmur, 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 murmur. Okay. Uh, a disciplined life knows that if your needs are not met, listen now, you didn't ask. You know the verse. Let's turn there. Go to James chapter 4, please. In James chapter 4. Look at verse 1. You know it says, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? And you can look at that as saying the conflict between people. And if you don't know what that means, I'm going to touch on this a little bit this morning, but you all remember when Black Friday actually meant something? I remember a few years ago, it seems to me it was about five or six years ago, and it's part of the reason Black Fridays, they don't do them anymore is they were selling towels at Walmart for a dollar. Okay, that was a good deal. And two people died because the rush to get one dollar towels was so strong. Why couldn't they get along? Well, that's my towel. I want it for a dollar. Oh, okay. You're willing to kill for it. You say, oh, I don't, really? That's, isn't that what that verse says? I, I would never kill somebody for that. Well, have you ever hated somebody in your heart without a cause? Because that's God's definition. Amen? The Bible says in verse 2, it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Say it with me, because ye ask not. And if we don't have our needs supplied, it's because we didn't ask. And when should we ask? Every day. Every day. How many of y'all have needs every day? And some of them are recurring needs. Well, daily bread, that's a good one. Some of us need pain management. and Some of us need encouragement through difficulty of trials. And some of us need, you guys understand? And so daily bread, if you will, is just asking for the grace to fulfill the needs that you have for that day. Whatever they be, body, soul, and spirit. Okay? And so God is saying this. Part of the reason that we get hungry... Don't you wish you could just eat one meal and be done? All the ladies who have to cook are saying, yep. <laughs> Not me. Uh. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, my whole point is this, is uh, God says this, ask today. Some of you have laughed at me in the past, but there, I can't tell you how many times that I'll pray for the family. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the day, whatever, you know. And then I'll get my plate, and I'll sit down. The first thing I do is I pray again. It's just a habit. It's ingrained in me. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody. 
because I'm certainly not, okay? Prayer, one prayer's good. Y'all with me? But I, I just, uh, I just am thankful. Thank you. And I, just in case I forgot, you know? You remember how Job would pray for his children just in case they forgot to pray? I just kind of have that mentality sometimes when it comes to those little things. Uh, and so if you will, you know, um, I want to look at this just real quick. The, the reason why manna was necessary was to, uh, because of where they were going, uh, to teach us to live by faith. And then it's also a type of Christ in his provision in our life. Remember what he said? He says, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Okay. And he said, if you don't eat me, okay, you're going to die. All right. Meaning your greatest need is not the physical bread. Uh, if you read John chapter 6, it says, well, what sign do you show? Our fathers received manna from heaven. And he says, okay. He says, well, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You know what he's saying? I was the manna. Typologically. You understand that? As a type, I was the bread that kept you alive in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay? Now I need you to do something for me. I need to, not, I need to take this from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. And I need you to receive me so not I can't give you daily life, but I can give you everlasting life. Amen? You see, it's a very important type here. And God gives us these things in the Old Testament. Sometimes you say, well, why did they have to do it that way? Because it helps us to understand who Jesus is. Amen. Helps us to understand what he's done for us, okay? And so anyway, why was manna necessary? We see that. Second, we want to see how manna was to be collected. The Bible tells us in verse 4 and 5 back in our text in uh, Exodus 16, verse 4 and 5. He says, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. He tells them how much they can have. Okay? Uh, Y'all remember, uh, see, this class would get it. The, the whole church might not, but how many of y'all remember you had to clean your plate? You had to clean your plate before you could have dessert. Y'all just aren't getting the metaphor today. Before you could have seconds. I'm joking. <laughs> well, you had to clean your plate, right? Did you ever have your mom say, honey, you've had enough? And you know what she was doing? She was saying, you've had enough food. Okay, get up and do something else. All right, stop thinking about food for a minute, okay? And, and so, if you will, God says this in verse 16. Here's how much you can have. In verse 16, the Bible says, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it, every man, according to his eating. You take as much as you think you need, okay? Up to, okay? He says, an omer for every man, okay? I'll describe that here in a second. It says, according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them that are in his tent. So he's saying this. He said, you can go out and you can have as much as an omer of bread, of, of uh, manna. But you remember what they did with it. They used it like flour. They, they would make cakes out of it. They would make, uh, you know, I hate to say tortillas, but you know what I'm talking about. That's how they ate their bread, okay? And uh, that's how they would make it. And he says, you can have up to an omer every day. Well, folks, an omer, the Bible says, is one-tenth of, a, uh, of, a, of an ephah. A tenth of an ephah, okay? Any of y'all measure in ephahs? Well, I'll give you my best understanding, all right? 
an EFA is five gallons dry. Okay, drive measure. You take five gallons, that's an EFA, okay? And one tenth of that is two quarts, okay? And so it's essentially two quarts, two liters of grain for making your bread. Now, folks, take this the right way. That's a pretty big bread, okay? I don't know how big of a bread. I mean, it all depends on how thick it is, right? <laughs> but that's a lot of bread. How many of y'all think you'd starve to death eating two quarts of bread every day? How many of y'all think you might get fat eating two quarts of bread every day? Y'all with me? And by the way, that wasn't their only staple because he said, I'll also rain quail on you at, at nighttime. Meaning this, that the quail would come in and they could go and they could, they could get the quail, okay? And, um, and so they had bread in the morning and they had meat at night, okay? And he said this, he said, you can have two quarts of bread every day. That's your limit, okay? But he, by the way, if you could only eat one, then just take one. Y'all understand? And so how many of y'all think that God was plenty generous with the food? Yeah, he was plenty generous with the food. He wasn't starving them, and he was giving them something that even to this day, it just I would love to taste it, amen? You've got to imagine. And yet they came to the point in the book of Numbers, uh, if you want my notes, you can have them, that they said, we loathe this light bread, meaning we hate manna. Now, can you imagine being in the wilderness and the only thing saving your life from starvation is manna, and you look at God and say, I hate this light bread. They said, we want more meat. And so he said, you want more meat? I'll give you more meat. He gave them more meat. <laughs> the Bible says he rained quail on them until they were two cubits high. They went out and they collected them in ephahs or baskets, okay? Um, I, you ever, well, a couple of my friends posted pictures of their duck hunt, and they clearly had at least 40 birds, okay? Now, there was a lot of hunters there, okay, right? But how many ducks do you need for a meal? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Go get roast beef if you want roast beef. <laughs> but here's my whole point is you certainly don't need 10. Y'all understand? The Bible says that when he did that for them because of the mixed multitude that was complaining, the Bible says that when they went to eat that meat, while the meat was still in their teeth, they died. And you think, well, wait a minute. He promised to give them quail every night. Yeah, he sure did. They weren't satisfied with what they were getting. Folks, they were gluttonous. Okay? They'd gotten spoiled having two quarts of bread every day and all the quail they could eat. And they said, we want more. God says, have more. Now, I don't know why they died. Okay? I believe there's two reasons. One of which is this, is you're not supposed to eat anything that dies of itself. Well, that's what happened to these birds. They came in, they died. God told them in the book of Leviticus, don't, anything, don't eat anything that dies of itself. Okay? And there's piles of dead birds, and they're going to pick up. You guys all understand? What's one other requirement when they eat something meat? 
Think about it. Think about one other requirement. You got to drain the blood. And they probably, it doesn't say anything about them draining the blood or sacrificing. And any of you know that have picked up dead birds, there is no draining the blood after a while, especially when they're sitting in stacks. Y'all understand? Meaning this, there was a number of reasons why they probably died, but one of them was certainly ingratitude. Can I just tell you this? One of the sins that grieves God the most, and you'll have trouble finding a verse, but you can find plenty of examples, is God, it grieves God for people to be ungrateful. The Bible says one of the signs of the last times is men are going to be unthankful. Okay? And, and so, if you will, they, they see that, that terrible lesson here. And so, if you will, all that was from Numbers chapter 11, if you want to study that. And so, he gave them an, a, a two quarts, if you will, or an omer of uh, manna every day. He gave them quail meat every night, according to verse 13 in our, uh, look at, uh, just so you can read it, verse 13, it says, And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about uh, the host. Um, Anybody know anything about quail? I know this much, so I'm going to tell you everything I know here. It tastes good. Well, amen. God was not, he was giving them the good stuff, okay? But there's also a reason why you call them quail. I mean, if you call somebody a quail, you guys kind of understand. They're, they're not hard to catch. You guys understand? All right, they're not hard to catch, especially when God's flying them in every day. <laughs> you guys understand? They're not hard to catch, okay? And so, if you will, God was giving them bread and meat every day. And he said this, he, got, he said, listen, six days, collect it. On the sixth day, collect twice as much. Why? Because you're going to need it for the seventh day when you don't collect any. And by the way, the first guy that went out on the Sabbath day to collect it, I haven't read it, but... It, as I recall, he, he died. God said, I told you not to collect it on the seventh day. By the way, if God gives you a command, is he serious about it? Okay. And, uh, and so if you will, he says, collect it six days, twice as much on the sixth day. You'll have enough to get you through the Sabbath day, and then I'll give you food again on the first day. And so uh, we talked about how they were to collect it, and it was to teach the necessary faith. And so how is, how is faith taught with manna? Well, look at verse 4 again. The Bible says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that it may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And I think all of us can agree he wasn't being stingy. He was being plenty generous. Okay? Matter of fact, he said, You collect up to this much. You don't have to collect that much because how many people can eat that much? Okay? But he's saying, If you need that much, you can collect up to this much. Okay, and I'll give you meat at night. You're going to have plenty of food. Don't worry about it. Okay, I didn't bring you out here to kill you. Um, I will meet your needs every day. Look what it says in verse 16. He says, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it of every man according to his eating. Only take as much as you can eat. Okay. Anybody ever been to a buffet where somebody hogs all your favorite food? What do you think of that person? Come on, let's get fleshy for a second. <laughs> Honestly, have you ever seen somebody do that? <laughs> You're just hoping it's not your kid. <laughs> Amen. Uh, verse uh, 17, it says, And the children of Israel did so, and they gathered some more, some less. Some people needed less, they took less. Okay? 
And the Bible says, Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of the men left it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. He said, I told you not to save it. I told you not to save it. Come on now. I told you you're getting it fresh tomorrow. Okay? As far as I understand, it would probably melt if, if, uh, if you didn't use it. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know if that happened at the end of the day, but it happened at the beginning of the day. Uh, think about this. Yesterday's manna is not of faith, and it stinks. If you kept that manna till the next day, the Bible says it bred worms and it stank. Mmm. That sound good? How many of y'all would rather have fresh manna? Okay. Well, then think about this. Those living on yesterday's blessings are going to become disgusted and spiritually sick. And I will promise you that there are many questions, sadly, that are living on yesterday's manna. And they wonder why they're discouraged, and they wonder why they're empty, and they're worrying why they're bitter. And I'll tell you why. You can't go all week on Jimmy's devotion. It was a good devotion. But you better have one for yourself on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday. You guys with me? Because if you're not keeping it fresh, it breeds worms and it stinks. Do you all see how that manna really is a spiritual metaphor for our lives? Okay, God's saying, learn the lesson of the manna. Learn the lesson of the manna. Okay. And then it also teaches us the importance of the Sabbath of God. You know, he said uh, in verse 20 through 22, the Bible says this. It says, And it came to pass on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that which you will seethe. And that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning and Mo, as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. He says, I, you can keep it two days on the seventh day. Why did it work on the first day but not on the seventh day? For as much as anything, God said that's how it works. You all understand? Uh, and, and verse 24, and, and they laid it up until morning. Okay, excuse me. Okay. And so, you know what he's saying? Please take this the right way. How many days does it take to make a living? I'm not trying to be clever here. What's the Bible say? Six days. And by the way, with other laws and even with the grace of God, God in a sense is the one who created the weekend. The seventh day is Saturday, and Sunday is the first day of the week, both of which are committed to the Lord in a sense. Rest Saturday and be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. You all understand? Those, those are principles that have carried this far. And so he's saying, in a sense, he says, you can make a living in five days. Okay? Now, do we live in a world today where some people believe that is either hard or impossible? We do. Having said that, is God good at doing the impossible? I'm not lecturing. I'm not pointing anybody out. But I'm telling you that sometimes we tell the Lord we can't do something just like the children of Israel. 
Well, we can't eat by only working six days. We've got to work that seventh day. And God says, no, you can trust me. I want you to think about this, not only when it came to the Sabbath year, and by the way, why were they thrown out of the promised land? Because they refused to keep the Sabbath year. Y'all with me? And he said this, you can let your servant rest, you can let your land rest, you can let yourself rest. Amen? You know the only people who get a seventh year off nowadays? College professors. <laughs> they get their Sabbath year. You guys ever heard that? Not their sabbatical year? You never heard of sabbatical year? The sabbatical year, they get that seventh year off to go do whatever they want to because they need to be fresh to teach our kids. Amen. <laughs> Anyhow, we're done. Thank you.